0: You know, what do you hope the industry looks like in 10 years? Like, how do you hope things
1: evolve? First example, 6% of all the DeFi total value locked gets stolen every year. So first and foremost, more secure. Second, a little bit more, that, that's going to be the, the hardest part, more demystified at the moment. We are seeing a lot of like meme coins getting onto the news. We're seeing a lot of like weird things happening and getting onto the news because they generate a lot of hype, generate a lot of like yeah numbers, views, and so on. So people are interested in making money, of course. But there is much more in the industry. So I would like to see a better messaging around like CIBIL resistant products, around gasless account obstructions, not just like these. Uber technical jargon. We need to onboard masses. We we cannot talk like engineers. This doesn't work. Then I would say web three gaming. In my opinion, but again, super opinionate biased here. I would say because I come from the VFX movie gaming and so on industry. But web three gaming is going to be a game changer.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Devs Do Something. Today's guest is Vito from Alchemy. And we went really deep into a couple of things in this episode, the first of which is the Web 2.5 stack, right? So what are the most modern pieces of the front-end infrastructure, right? Um, Wagmi, VM, uh, and also the back-end inf- infrastructure, right? So a little discussed. Uh, portion of web three or crypt or development in crypto is that a lot of times if you want to be able to perform a DApp, you need to have some kind of intermediary backend that helps you index data from the chain um, and make sure that the user experience is actually a, a really good one. So we walk through, you know, different backend setups. Uh, Vito has done some recent research on this that will, you know, we'll put a link to his post in the, the show notes. Uh, and then we also walked through uh, Create Web3 dap which is a framework that Vito has put together that makes it really, really easy to get started with a new Web3 front end. Uh, we walked through that, the creation of that, and then finally, we, like I said, we went really deep into developer advocacy and relations, right? So with Create Web3 dap you know that's used by a lot of people, right? How did Vito get that into the hands of many people? Many of you listening to this, you want other people to take note of your work. Um, devs are uncomfortable with promotion. Uh, it's a kind of typical thing, uh, but you don't have to be overly promotional to get lots of people using your stuff, right? Obviously, as Vito says, having a Twitter following like Vito has of over 100,000 people is helpful, but there are other things you can do uh, to share your knowledge as well. So we walk through all that stuff. Um, if you're somebody that's interested in, again, both this kind of modern entire stack around building, Web3 products and sharing your work and getting it into the hands of more people. I think you're going to really get a lot of, get a lot out of this episode. I enjoyed this one. And I think you will too. As devs, we all love hackathons. They're a great way to boost your skill set, meet other engineers and add to your portfolio of work. At Superfluid, we've sponsored many hackathons and decided to start putting on a hackathon of our own, the Superfluid Wave Pool. This hackathon is a little bit different, though, in that it's continuous. It's always open. You can submit any project built on Superfluid at any point throughout the month and have a chance to earn thousands of dollars in prizes, depending on how your project stacks up. In just the last couple of months, we've seen dozens of teams build really amazing projects that run the gamut from Superfluid developer tutorials to full-fledged applications, uh, to a proof of concept, superfluid StarkNet implementation that we thought was really, really impressive. So we encourage you to check it out today. You can learn more by going to superfluid.finance slash wavepool. That's superfluid.finance slash wavepool. Happy hacking. All right, we're back today with another episode of Devs Do Something
1: uh, with Vito. Welcome, Vito. Hey Sam, thank you for having me here. I was just saying, well, you really look like a reporter with a microphone on you. Yeah, thank you. We try to we try to look very
0: very pro. I think it'd be helpful if I had a stand for it uh, instead of just holding it. But nonetheless, uh, we're we're really excited to have this conversation. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a few things that we were actually just discussing before we started recording, right? Tooling, some of your thoughts on DevRel. We have a lot we can unpack with you today. But before we do that, the first question we ask everybody that comes on is how they got into this industry. So Vito, how did you get into crypto?
1: That's that's an amazing question. It's kind of funny. Um, I think I, I'm a late starter in crypto. I didn't start like in 2013, like somewhere like 2017. I started in 2020, I think. Before than that, I was in a completely different industry. I was like an artist. I was doing like Academy of Fine Art. I was working in the digital animation, like domain doing DG Double for the movie industry. And then I decided to just go back to web development. I was developing a little bit on my spare time during the pandemic. And I had a friend, he was super... He's one of these people that started like in 2013 and it didn't make millions, but still like he started in 2013. It was like, dude, you should definitely look into like cryptos. You should look into... He didn't say into Web3 because Web3 wasn't a thing at that point. In the meantime, um, and I was always like, no, dude, that's like scum. That's a bubble. You know, like my dad is is a punk guy. That that will never work. Continue living in a dream world. And then I was creating content on Twitter. I guess the, the mix between Twitter starting to become crypto Twitter. My friend, that is actually my best friend, keep on telling me, yo, you're a great developer. You should definitely like look into smart contracts. I was like, okay, let's freaking do it. I don't remember what resources were there. I think like crypto zombies and another couple, I was like, okay, let me do this. And I developed my first smart contract. I was completely blown away, completely blown away. Thing is as an artist, I didn't really understand the documentation. Like I wasn't really technical and my English is not my first language either. All the documentations were like in English, a lot of jargon. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. ChatGPT wasn't a thing either. So I started like translating all the documentation in like human readable English. And turns out it went great. Like people went banana on Twitter, started creating a bunch of content there. Web3 started becoming a thing. And yeah, and one day I met Alan from the Alchemy team and I started working with them. And since then it's been an incredible journey.
0: I love it. Yeah, that's a fascinating story. I did not know you were an artist. Um, That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, there's always an interesting background people have. You know, it's, it's very rare that even the people that got into this in 2012 or whatever, that's still a weird, it's always an interesting story. But I want to come back to documentation in a bit because I think that that's super interesting that... Like you probably got good at writing documentation by realizing that, like you, you could actually recognize that it wasn't very good, and I think you have to kind of come in with a beginner's mind to really see the holes in docs, right? So I think that's something we can definitely unpack later. But what were some of the early things you did in this space? Right? You said you were blown away when you first wrote you for a smart contract. What were some of the early projects and things that you worked on, even with Alchemy? Like what were some of the early forays you had in this space?
1: Huh, that, that's a great question. So the first thing I like to embark at this kind of, sorry, let me take a step back. Yes, the industry of food is full. The cool thing about Web3 is that you have any kind of person inside. And especially like when, if we go back in 2020, 2021, you're like a lot of artists and a lot of programmers, of course, but also like normal people that were doing their daily jobs and they were just interested in the beer market. So it was kind of eclectic at that time. And some of these stayed into the industry, be one of them sort of. But anyway, one, I I really like to embark in these kind of adventures from time to time. Like, for example, when I'm exploring a protocol, I try to build a tool just because I really love that. Um, And I, I love also like making something that can stay in time and it's just like not just coding. And I guess my first project, folks, it was a decentralized OnlyFans. and I was super proud of that. Um, It took me, I think, two months to develop it. Um, It didn't really work super well because, of course, it was my first smart contract. I had no idea what security was and we should go back to that. Super important. I had no idea about gas optimization, Um, Solidity was like a way older, I think, version. So I didn't implement a bunch of like checks and so on and so forth. It was kind of working. um, And I was proud and I published a tutorial about that. But on top of that, I think my job since the beginning was to onboard people into Web3 and kind of demystify what's the core messaging of Web3 and blockchain equals to crypto and making easy money and NFTs and making easy money if you're there. And it was more about the technology and how the technology can support like third world countries, people or like identity management, as well as value exchange in general on the internet. And so I guess on that end, I always kept myself on the beginner's level, but as a dev at Alchemy, so not on my personal time, um, I started developing more in-depth things. And I know that we'll go back um, to these in a few seconds, but tooling was one of the main passions and is still one of the main passions because it helps developers build it. And that's what we need at the moment, by the device.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are definitely right about that. And you're right that we'll unpack tooling a bit more. But for people, because this is actually relatively recent for you, but for people that are like you a couple of years ago who are onboarding themselves into this industry, uh, they're choosing to be contrarians right now and dive headfirst into crypto when uh the markets are, are down and everything, what kinds of things would you recommend that they look at, right? And maybe we we could tailor this to people that have already written a smart contract, uh, they understand how blockchains work, maybe they they have a bit of web development experience, they know, they know JavaScript, right? They're not total, total beginners, but they want to go from like kind of outsider, freelancer, outsider, into like maybe a, a junior dev role or uh, like actually building their first professional project in the space. Any advice or recommendations for that
1: person? thought actually, um, great question, and I want to divide it into sectors. You started saying beer market. For those that don't know, like we're saying, okay, you know what is a smart contest, so probably you also know what is a, a beer market. It's a, it's a weird connection, but it's true, right? So the first thing is don't get scared about the beer market. Beer market is a financial thing. Builders are going to build anyway. If you want to prove of that, you can look at our developer's report at Alchemy. We issue a developer report every four months. You can find it on our website. But if you want to look at more reports, there is like Silver Lake, I think, report, and Misari that is creating a lot of reports. And you will see that developers are growing throughout all the chains, not just like Ethereum, for example, like throughout all the chains. The number of smart, smart contracts developed has grown a lot, incredibly, since the start of the beer market, as well as the number of users and wallets on different chains. So first thing is if you're looking around and you're like, oh, okay, I wrote my first smart contract, but I'm uncertain if I want to join the industry because you know, the beer market, well, remember that the biggest companies in the world have been built during beer markets, um, Google, Airbnb, and so on and so forth, all coming from beer markets. This goes to the second point, that is how do you get started? The problem is with the beer market it's harder to get started because Companies are not like hiring like crazy. If you if you join during the bull market, everyone is hiring. Everyone is getting paid like a ton of money, right? Everyone is, everything is super happy. Um, during a beer market, there are more issues. There are layoffs going on. There are things going on. Um, the answer there is, of course, build up your knowledge. That is the first thing, but also networking is key. And this is something that I wish I knew more when I started my career, but it's literally is when you go to the gym, right? You train and everyone tells you, yeah, training is like 30% of the job. 70% of the job is your diet. This is so true with like fi- looking for a job in the tech industry as well. 70% of the job is not the, your skills. Of course, these are very important, but also the people that you know, the, um, the way that you can sell your abilities, the way that you think, the way that you solve problems. Uh, yeah, a lot of things that all goes back to human um, subjects, And to do that, there are multiple ways. The cool thing about Web3 is that it's community-driven. So you can A, join a DAO, or B, join a community of developers. On that end, a couple of names is like, Alchem University kind of covers all of the stages here from I never written a smart contract, to, I know how the blockchain works. I know to, how to create decentralized applications. And I also have a community. So alt University is a bootcamp and an Ethereum bootcamp, seven weeks bootcamp completely free. You. I'm, I'm not selling you anything. And you know that, Sam, it's just like, you can go there, learn whatever you need to land your first job as a junior. I won't, I won't lie. After junior is not about... Um, how many hours of tutorials you've watched, but how many years you've worked in the industry. But a junior place in the industry. On top of that, we have a community, 75,000 developers, all building, all doing your same stuff, building projects, raising funds, creating groups, creating teams, developing products, um, marketing their products, getting to know each other, answering each other's questions. Super helpful. In these kind of communities, on top of that, there are others like Learn Web Free DAO, DeveloperDAO, um, I don't know, like literally there are a ton of Web3, amazing communities. These are my favorite ones. There, you will find not only other developers, but you will find the CEOs of companies. Web3 is very small. That's where Web3 CEOs hang out. If not CEOs, as CXOs. Hang in these communities. Talk with people. Be useful. Answer to questions. Show off your skills. Potentially... And I'll tell you why. Because we have, for example, an ambassador program and we hired a ton of people out of our ambassador program. And we don't even interview them. We don't ask for their curriculum. We see that they're useful. We see that they're helpful in the useful for a human is awful, but helpful in the community. And that they help each other, that they answer questions, that they're active, that they love Web3. They live by the ethos ethos of Web3. And once they have proved, you know, their skills, that's all that matters. um, We just hire them. So I would say, Going back to LDR is don't be scared about the beer market. A second, if you are just starting out, find good learning resources. Luckily, different from when I started, we have amazing resources right now. Again, Alchemy University, learn about Fridao. Um, CryptoZombies is actually still pretty cool and their team is amazing. They're super fun. I mean, think we we have a ton of other Polygon University and think about, but I'm sure um, Patrick Collins videos, of course. What are we talking about? And amazing Sam's podcasts that are very interesting, especially on the networking part. That is the third point. This networking, knowing people, meeting people, understanding where your skills can become most useful. And you actually might end up making a shit ton of money, but that's another story with networking. But yeah.
0: Yeah, so on the networking bit, I mean, this is, this may be even even more, let's let's expand this a bit more to just like the idea that you need to communicate what you can do to the world, right? So a lot of people listening to this, they're actually pretty advanced or like mid-level developers right so there's, there's there is a cohort of, of beginners but a lot of people are actually fairly advanced they're pretty skilled um, the thing is though is that in order for you to actually capitalize on on that skill set you have to put yourself in the position to, to either work with people that can leverage your skill sets or if you're going to build something yourself you have to you have to sell a bit right and you have to sell or at least communicate what you, what you can do or communicate your ideas to the broader ecosystem if you want to have the impact that you think you, you, you should have, especially if you're an elite developer, right? That could be you literally building your own protocol and communicating that to the world. That could be you want to share your knowledge so that you get a better job. Or it can mean, hey, I have an idea for where the Ethereum uh, network should go and I want to draft an EIP. All of these are very human centric tasks. All of these require you to occasionally get on stage and communicate. They require you to write uh, good blog posts to communicate, right? You're a very good communicator, right? It's reflected in your, your Twitter following, uh, all the communication you put out with the Alchemy team, the Alchemy docs, Alchemy University. For devs who are really, really elite when it comes to like writing contracts and writing code, what advice do you have for them when it comes to actually getting better at the, the soft skills side of things? Do you have any, anything that they could do, uh, anything that they, they should maybe know that would make them better at that?
1: I actually have goosebumps because it just reminded me about this amazing sentence that I got told by my kind of mentor. Um, he's an amazing social media manager, marketer, and growth hacker, and much, much more. And it was like, you become a great communicator when you have 20 followers, not when you have a hundred K followers, you become a great communicator when in your podcast, there are 10 listeners, not a thousand listeners. You become a great streamer. When you stream, there are five attendees. How do you call that? Like people tuned in, um, and not a hundred thousand. And this is so important. Uh, no one is born a great communicator. Of course, talent is a thing, but talent without practice is nothing. Um, and you have to develop your skills. So how do you become a great communicator is simply by communicating. How do you become a great technical writer is simply by writing great technical content. No, this is not completely true. It's not like the seasons will go on and on, even if you don't do anything. And this is something I actually learned in the art industry. That is the art, uh, they should write a book about that, but it's the art of accepting feedback. And we all be like in, in the Silicon Valley I would say in our culture, in the tech culture, this is kind of well known. Not everyone is great at taking feedback, but usually people are great at taking feedback. And it's by culture, I would say. But this is not the truth in many other domains. It's not the truth with, in people with other backgrounds. I was one of them, right? When, when I started in the art industry, you tried to tell me that my drawing sucks, sucked. And I was like, whoa, how do you dare that? Um, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Everyone should love this. And then with time, from time to time, of course, people were hating me. They were like, wait, I literally was trying to be useful. Of course, there are like different types of feedback, but they were like constructive feedback. They were just trying to be useful. And I was like, ah, okay, maybe, maybe it's my problem. And then I started noticing that if you don't get to, if you don't love your job, your work, not your job, your work, the byproduct of your work too much, if you don't get too affectionated to it, and you start accepting critiques and constructive feedback that are teaching you how to get better. And you go back to the thing, if you get 1% better every time you write a blog post, if you get 1% better every time you write a tweet, every time you host a podcast, every time you go on a space, ultimately, you will get 1,000% better. And this is, it's like science, right? It's not something, oh, I'm not like that. I I won't get better. No, no, no. You will get better. You will learn a lot. So to answer your question, for anyone that wants to become better at soft skills, definitely start networking. Invite people to... Um, a call, hey, do you want to have a 30-minute call? And just chat with them about their experiences. Try to interview them. Try to learn more. Be genuinely interested. Then, of course, there are more like lectures and like readings that you can you can read, books, um, such as, okay, this is like black magic book, but I love that if you take it the right way, is How to Win Friends by John Carnage. I can't remember. It's like Carnage. I will, I will send it to you. It's an amazing book. Then there is another one that is called, I can send you all the list. I don't know if we can like link it everywhere, but like these free books that completely changed the way I approach to people. TLDR, what all the, these books are saying are A, be generally interested in the people you're talking to. If there's someone you're looking to, or you're interested or they will spot it. Everyone talks to people every single day. B is communicate in a way that people are used to understand. So what do I mean by that? If I have to explain something really, really complex, I will use a very, very simple example. Um, If I need to talk about something that is very, very simple, I will use a very, very complex example. And this is kind of the theory of contrast. And there are a lot of like these tricks and tips and tricks that you can use to become a better communicator. But at the end of the day, the thing is you have to communicate and you have to create content and you have to ask spaces to be good at that. Like, for example, Sam, I'm sure that... And then I would go a step back. Sorry if I'm ranting, but like I'm sure that you got way better from time to time in Austin podcasts. The first time, maybe you were like, I, I don't know what to say. But now you're like, oh, this is my house. I know who command here. I know what are the rules. I know how things work. And I more or less know what people will say. Like you, you have an organization and you learn that. Taking a step back, sorry. Um, what you said is super important and is... At the end of the day, there are like, there are 8 billion people at this point in on the earth. Um, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And something that we should learn every single day is that we are probably not special. Like 99.9% of these people is not special by themselves, right? They they won't be lucky. They won't be like chosen. Things will go just as they should go. To shine in this kind of group of Normality, I would say, is so easy that you can just do something different. It's nothing crazy. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be an um, enlightened person. Better if you are, of course, people will be more interested, but you don't have to. You don't have to be an expert either sometimes, unfortunately, in the things that you say to shine above like, the rest of like, peers that are competing against you. How do you do that? You host a podcast. Um, you create content. You create a community. You build an online presence you build something useful for people to use. And people will naturally start thinking that you're smarter than you are. Maybe maybe you're freaking smart. Maybe you're a geek brain. That, that's not the point. But if you do something useful for the others, people will just think that you're smarter than you are. If you don't do anything, you're just asking for something. Be a giver, not a taker. <laughs> it's like spot.
0: Tons of useful advice in there. I would also say that if you're uncomfortable with the idea of creating content or, or posting things or hosting a talk you can definitely just lead with the work right you don't have to like put inject yourself into everything right it might help certain people who are comfortable with it like you're very good you had you had a tweet over the other day about like uh like Netflix or something like that i think you had like a pretty funny post about like how you're going to use pirate bay now that netflix is cracking down on passwords right that's funny like you inject personality into things and that can help patrick collins is this too But if you're uncomfortable with that, there's nothing wrong with just like saying, dude, I built this really cool thing. Check out this cool thing. And the reality is that you have probably some set of knowledge that is very unique, especially if you've gone down a rabbit hole in this industry, right? If you spent weeks going into, uh, I don't know, MEV. If you spent weeks going into MEV, you've built your own searchers, there's lots of proprietary information in that space, so maybe you don't want to share everything, But if you do want to share some things you've learned about building searchers or building uh, things in rust, chances are that there are a lot of people that you think are geniuses that have no idea uh, what they're talking about when it comes to that area. So and it, it doesn't take actually that long to get there either. So I would keep that in mind, right? Your knowledge is probably more valuable than you think it is if you're a, at least a mid-level dev and above in this space. And you've gone deep on something, so just something to add to that. But okay, so you mentioned you like to I can't build things. To it.
1: it's so true.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think it's absolutely true, and people underrate their the knowledge they do have. But let, let's get into. You mentioned you like you like to build things, right? This is something you like to do. You like tooling. You're passionate about tooling. It's a big part of your work. Let's get into some of the things that you've been working on over the last year plus, right? And We'll, we'll kind of unpack each of them. We'll talk through why they're useful and we'll maybe even get behind the scenes on how you built them. But let's talk to maybe the most famous one, and that's Create Web3 Dapp. So, this is something that you've been a main contributor to. Looks like if you look at the GitHub, there's been a lot of contributors at this point. But what is Create Web3 Dapp? And then we'll maybe unpack it some more from there.
1: Love that. Thank you for this. So, Create Web3 Dapp is my baby, and I'm so You know, I just told you, don't fall in love for your work. I literally fell in love for Craybomb without but still open to feedback. It's a web-free CLI decentralized applications builder. What does it mean? It's an MPX package that you can run through your terminal to spin up decentralized applications on the fly. Let me give you some use cases. Every time you need to create a new decentralized application, what happens is that you need to decide which libraries to use. You need to understand which dependencies to use. And that's best case scenario. You're alone in your room and you just need to develop a new application or you at a hackathon and you just want to kickstart an application. There is like 20, 30 minutes of process that you need to go through. well free up, got you covered. Done. You run this command. You select which chain you want to use, which packages you want to import. If you want hard debt on the back end to develop also smart contracts, if you want to create a smart contract. So we're using the Open library. If you're familiar with the Open smart contract wizard, you can do the same for your CLI and even better it will also spin up the whole project for you setting up the rpcs whole hard deck configuration it will automatically link the folder of the abis into your front end that folks if it's the first time that you're doing that it's it's crazy uh, it's not like that in that case but anyway um, on top of that the big problem is teaching Web3 in teaching Web3 is that you need to start from the front end. And as soon as you start teaching the front end, you're probably familiar with it, Sam. Um, it's a mess. There are too many front-end frameworks, libraries, dependencies, and everything is competing against each other. With Create Web3Dub, there is an opinionated standard. Essentially it's opinionated, but not that opinionated. What I mean by that is that it's a next.js application. So it respects the next.js standard project folder structure. Not the 13th. What do I mean by that is that in the 13th, now we have the source folder with all the pages inside. And then you have the app folder with the app routes inside. Not everyone is super comfortable with that. So I also noticed that some of the documentation is rolling back to the older version of the project folder. So it's using the older one. You will have your next JS application on there and your where you can also build your APIs inside and it will have your hard that project, standard hard project that you can download also from like the OpenZap, the Smart Contract Wizard. Third use case that is for the people that do our job, Sam, and is demos. How many times have you ended up developing over and over again the same landing page, the same snippet, the same component? Good sense would be, oh, I can save that code. Yes. Reality is that we live in a very fast-paced world and after three days, we forget where our code is. So you want a place where you can just start from, not scratch, but a boilerplate, and then you know start developing from there. Now, this is another feature that is really, so for DevRels is really useful because on stage you can just run it. For example, Staff of Fila from um, Polygon, she's using that for her Polygon ZK EVM. And then we have other ambassadors that are using that. Other We have a lot of boot camps before hackathons that are using Create Web 3.0 it because it's, a, it's product agnostic. Once you have the boilerplates, you can build with Lens protocol, you can build with Biconomy, you can build with everything. This brings me to the next point that on top of the boilerplates, we also have this being called templates. We also have the components secondary but templates is if you're at a hackathon or a bootcamp and you want to develop an NFT marketplace, chances are that you will develop always the same comp- standard components at first. That is NFT gallery, NFT minter, profile page, wallet connection, and you name it. You have the NFT marketplace template inside Free up So instead of starting from a boilerplate from scratch, you can start from a template. And there are a lot of templates. Also, the decentralized only fans that is actually Patreon at this point, of course, because of comms. <laughs> but um, that said, App is that is a CLI tool builder that allows developers kickstart their web-free applications in four minutes. And yeah, it was amazing building it.
0: It's very cool. Yeah, I think it's a really, really useful uh, thing to get people started. It's also amazing you have the templates in there. It does save a lot of time. I was just actually wrestling with some of the newer Next13 features last night, believe it or not. And... Uh, yeah, it's easy to get stuck on small things on the front end that are not central to the application for sure. So it's, it's great that the tooling like Create Web 3 Dapp exists. Um, a couple of follow-up questions on this. One of them, I'll start with the more, uh, back to our soft skills discussion earlier. You have lots of contributors on this, right? If you look at the GitHub, lots of people have contributed to it. It looks like other people have probably built templates and it has a bunch of stars. People know that it exists. Let's say that I'm somebody who wants to build some other similar tooling thing, right? Maybe it's a a library of smart contracts that are useful for some use case, right? Maybe it's maybe I'm into Huff, right? Like the Huff guys listening to this are into Huff and they want to get more people using Huff. What did you do to to promote create web3 dApp? Like how did you get it into the hands of more people? How did you get people interested in it? Like I would love to understand like what the distribution side of this actually look?
1: Love this question. So this the answer has many faces. The most obvious one that probably people listening to this podcast might have already thought about is like, oh, Vito has a a lot of followers on Twitter. It's easy to market things when you have a lot of followers. True. I cannot say it's not true. It's easier. It's of course like you post something and that's why I really suggest you to build an online presence. I never built it before. Um, It's something that happened. It's just about consistency. You can do the same. Um, People will see it. Uh, That's why social medias are so powerful. So first thing, I definitely started posting it on Twitter, talking about it, showing about it. The second one is there's no no marketing in the world that can sell a bad product. There's no way. Good product first, but um, great marketing after that. So... (laughs) Luckily, Create Web 3.0 is one of these cases where I was the target. I was the person in need. I needed a tool to spin up decentralized applications. I kind of knew what I needed. Actually, this is not even true because the first version of Create Web 3.0 had like components inside the CLI builder and everyone was getting confused. So I started doing user interviews. This helped me getting the product better, better, and better, updating it, iterating over it. And every time I updated, just like, as you said, Sam, whenever you develop something cool, you might not want to share the underlying functionalities or technicalities because it's maybe something proprietary. Great Free app is fully open source. But in that case, I just started sharing all the updates and all the things that I was doing and all the challenges. And I was like, oh my God, this is so hard, folks. This is not working. Foundry, with like non-root folders. It's insane. There's no documentation. The cool thing is that World well, three is such a small world. So when you start talking about these things, it's like I'm building on top of Foundry. Chances are that you have if you have a bunch of followers, again, build your community. People will contact you. And it's like, oh, this is super cool. You're building on top of Foundry. Wait, um, let's work together. Let's open a call. That's that's a win-win situation, right? You're implementing Foundry, they are marketing Foundry and create Web3DAB at the same time. Same happen. For other tools, for like, for example, with Lens Protocol, I was developing a thing with Lens Protocol integrated, and they contacted me, and we started sharing each other's updates about that. So, I would say creating a community, talking to people, creating a product that is um, useful, open source. Open source is so important, especially in Web3. I'm everything is open source. I just developed, finished developed today, f- developing today, a universal scraper that translates an entire website into. Embeddings for ChatGPT. Completely different scenario. I need it for, for another project. But it takes like three minutes to do that. It's super freaking powerful, production ready. It's open source on GitHub. Also, the cloud formation is open source on GitHub. You can just go run the cloud formation, spin it up on AWS, and boom, you have your universal scraper and you can do whatever you want if you learn how to use it. But that's another part. But the code is there. Um so Open source is very important. For open source, there are like a lot of tips and tricks, like document everything. Readme has to be clear. Open a call. You need to be proactive. The open source community won't get paid by itself. Um, and 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 then, so you nurture your community. And then I think the last one is luck. In a way, we are created by that because it was a useful product, not just luck, but because it was a useful product, got popular into this, like, these like pre boot bootcamps. These perfect use cases. Like, I, we didn't even have to organize that. Literally, one day, a guy called us and he was like, "Hey, folks, I'm thinking." Brought us. He didn't call us, but I was thinking about running this workshop. Um, it's a five days bootcamp, actually, and we want to teach web three technologies. We want to teach Alchemy, of course, but for everything, we want to use Great Web Three dap Turns out, the um, participants, the attendees of that bootcamp, won two out of like the X prizes in the in the hackathon. So we were super proud, and they used Great Web Three as well. So it's a it's a combo of thing. Honestly, at the core of everything, folks, is putting your knowledge out there. I think I did a decent job. There are people that do a way better job than me at sharing what I'm learning and like trying to give value to people. People appreciated that. So when I have when I post something, they are like, okay, maybe maybe this is interesting. Maybe it's not. I should post a lot, but maybe this time is interesting. Wow, well, uh, let's take a look actually. And it turns out that would create a feed-up. So people like that. And I hope it answers your question. I think we can go on like marketing bootcamp for the next four hours, probably.
0: Yeah, I think that that's useful context, right? I mean, it, you can't deny the fact that having a following is helpful, but you definitely did more than I think people might realize. I think the user interviews thing was, was very interesting. I don't think it's very common that people building open source projects that they want other people to use do user interviews, right? They don't think about it in that way, but they should, right? You're basically building a product, right? And you should think
1: about it that way. Can I share with you a trick? This is insane. That's a very good trick. So whenever you're building something, um, like toolings, potentially you have a ton of competitors, right? So what you can do, what you would, best case scenario, your tool gets swapped. Um, Sorry, your competitors get swapped with your tool. And the question usually is, where are my competitors like being backlinked? Where are they linked? Where are people talking about my competitors? There are tools uh, I, I won't say the tool, but just like look for backlinks searcher. Um, there are tools that literally you can put a website and look at all the backlinks from that website or web page. So for example, if you have a GitHub page of your competitor, you can just put that link onto that tool and it will give you all the backlinks that are pointing to that page. So you can just go talk with all of the people that are like writing or maintaining these pages and be like, hey, you have an amazing list of tools. And maybe you have to think that. Again, we go back to, you have to be generally interested into people. But hey, you have an amazing list of tools. Are you interested in adding also this one? Chances are the people will... Won't answer you, like because that's called mailing. But once every ten, ten times, people will actually answer you, and you will have an extra backlink, or an extra guide talking about your tool. Again, if you have a following, if you have things, chances are that more people will answer to you because you have kind of trustworthiness. Um, build a community.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, there's a uh, SEO is is uh, is a place that people don't think about quite enough. It's actually, I think, become a bit underrated. In relation to some other things, but that's maybe a discussion for another day. Maybe it's the separate marketing boot camp we can do. Uh, but getting into the tooling side a bit more. Okay, so you you've had the chance to, as a result of your, you know, you're building this, to like explore a lot of different tooling, especially on the front end side. But for someone building, like let's say for example, I have a protocol and I want to use all the most powerful, up to date best tooling to build the front end out for my protocol right what does that stack look like is it like this wag rainbow kit thing is it uh the tried and true ethers and just interfacing with the contracts directly like what what are the best tools of the trade today uh, and, and what should people be using if they're starting from scratch? Like, I think a lot of times people get stuck in things that they initially started using a couple of years ago. They don't necessarily follow the new updates as much. But like, how do you, how do you see the uh, the tooling space for building ends? So
1: we got better, I would say, so from the start. Since the start of the beer market, we got way better. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous a couple of years back. Today we have. A lot of developers SDKs, web-free developers SDKs. I'm thinking very thoughtfully about the answer because I know that if I don't mention the right ones, people will start hating me. So I would say standard of the industry. It's not even my favorite one. It's like what people usually use that I think that's really, really powerful is front-end. And we're talking about a... Let's look okay, production-ready web-free application and then go on to a decentralized, fully decentralized application because there is this difference, right? On one hand, there is like, I'm a diehard fan of web-free and I want to be a leveraging that is decentralized. You might want to do that. Um, <clears throat> it's not always suggested, I would say, because it, it, you might incur in like an extra cost. But most cases, you will also use databases to like get data persistency and data availability and do not have like, transactions, every single action on your application. Also, OpenC uses databases, of course. So in that case, I would say front-end is the same. Um, Next.js is the industry standard. React is the industry standard. I know a lot of people using Svelte and Vue. It's not that they're bad f- frameworks. is that there are just less developer tools for these, like Hooks, for example, me? Given that you're using React, Definitely Wagmi. Wagmi is my love. They also issued Beam recently. I be honest, I didn't, and I will tell you why in a few seconds. But I didn't really enjoy Beam from the get go. It took me like some time. Wagmi is still my go to. Beam, I'm still like a little bit. Mm, I don't know if I like you, but um, it's a great tool. Like their team is is incredible. They have they shape as fast as they can probably. Um, And Wagme is a collection of hooks that just make your life better when dealing with, like, smart contract transactions, dealing with wallets, um, connection, and so on and so forth. Connection. Rainbow Kit is great. I guess they have a couple of issues. Like, for example, you can't intercept when the user is changing, like, account. Like, Rainbow Kit internally does it, but from the outside, there's no hook that gets exposed out of that. Anyway, there are, like, a couple of limitations but at a certain point after using it for like a year, I was like, well, maybe, maybe I want to change. So I would say connect kit from family. They are amazing. Like their designers are incredible. Um, they have a bunch of layouts. You can interactively tra- test the wallet on your web page. It's, it's incredible. It's really, really well done. The library is really, really well done. And it's also suggested by the Wagme team. Then on top of that, to deal with chain, like transactions, EtherJS, still my lovely one. Alchemy SDK, of course, your on top of EtherJS. Also with enhanced APIs implemented. Enhanced APIs are a game changer, folks. Essentially, think about if you want to fetch the balance of tokens in a wallet that is not Ethereum. For Ethereum, it's ETHCAC balance. It takes you one second. But if it's like any other token that you don't know about, like a full wallet of tokens, you would have to literally scrape the full blockchain block by block get all the new contracts that got created with like your 20 or your C1155, it depends on who you want to do it, um, contracts, and then start tracking all the transactions from block genesis to the latest block to understand what's the balance. Insane, it's like billions of transactions. You want to use APIs for that. Trust me, you don't want to go fully decentralized, otherwise it's going to be big costs and maintenance. Um, Announce APIs, have everything for you. Tokens API, NFTs API does the same thing, but for NFTs, transaction simulation API, but this is on the back end, but you cannot. sorry, no, that's not true. Transaction simulation API to simulate the transactions before they happen and custom GraphQL Webhooks. hooks that this is on the back end. I will go back into this in a few seconds. So you should have everything at this point. Next.js, Wallet Connect, Connect Kit, sorry. And then you have Wagmi hooks or Veeam, of course, Alchemy SDK and enhanced APIs implemented into it if you want tailwind and we're good to go. Back end. Backend is my, my big, big love. Here, everything changes. Decentralized application is finished. This is how you do it. Your backend is smart contracts. Everything else stays the same. Centralized application, 2.5, people call it. I don't like it. It's just application that is actually usable. Um, I would say backend is usually two ways. Standard Express JS backend, I'm okay with that. I love serverless. Is a little bit more expensive, but it lifts you up, up from like a lot of things that you don't really want to do. Plus, it's way more scalable, especially if you're going into production. On top of that, I would say you need some data ingestion. So, if you need some data ingestion, like your decentralized exchange or exchange, or you need DeFi stuff, we have the custom GraphQL webhooks that allow you to pull data real time from the blockchain, every block, faster than literally anything else. I won't say names, but it's faster than anything else. And you can filter data based on GraphQL queries. So if you're not familiar with that, it's a JSON document where you can put the properties and select like block hash, transactions, what kind of transactions, in which contracts. Let's say you want to keep track of all the transactions coming from board apes. You can do it. Um, You just select, insert the query inside the GraphQL, set up the webhook, and it will send data every block to you. On of that, a database, really up to you based on what you need. And oh, that that should be, oh, of course. And then we can go more technical. Oh my God. More technical is like you need gossless transactions. Then you need account obstruction. And account obstruction, there are two ways. The first one is by economy. Rahat is their dev rel, is amazing. And they're doing an amazing job. They started pioneering account destruction from, I don't know, six months ago. That in Web3 is like 10 years ago. They're doing an amazing job. You should definitely try the, them out SDK. Video streaming is, there are a a bunch. Superfluid should be used. Livepeer should be used. Um, trans, um, storage, bundler is amazing. It's built on top of our weave. And then IPFS, if you want, all of the backend. Instead of storing on S3, you can use a decentralized object storage. Then, and then I would say, I will stop here because otherwise it becomes like too long. But with these tools that we just mentioned, if I'm not forgetting something that is massive, you should be good to go. My only thing is, if you want to implement sessions, this is something that no one still, like no one is using in Web3. I don't know why. But Next.js has an amazing library called Iron Sessions. And essentially, Iron Sessions allow you to cryptographically hash your sessions on the front end so you can keep any kind of information into that and the cryptographic key is key is in the backend so you will only like decrypt the, the session value on the backend and it makes everything way more secure top of that small need do not use any of your private keys on your frontend in any case no private keys no private api keys nothing no frontend craver for the up this
0: so there's a lot there. Uh, I think that the the one piece that I'd like to unpack a bit. Um, I think that the you know you, you gave a really thorough overview of especially the front end stuff. But I really want to unpack this uh, this Web 2.5 stack thing. You wrote a really good. I I don't know if it's a blog post or a set of documentation, but you have a good write up that I'll put in our show notes about this kind of stack, like these the sets of APIs you can use and things like that. I have a couple of questions here, but the first one is, do you think that a lot of teams are going to just basically outsource this stuff to a set of services where they just call different APIs or will they do a lot of this stuff in-house? You know, for example, uh, you, you gave the, you gave the, the case with, with, with tracking token balances. That's like a way harder problem than people realize. I'm glad you laid that out. That's one where I think it'd be a huge pain to just do that in-house, right? Like if I'm a regular protocol, if I'm a Uniswap, there's no way that I want to spend engineering resources building that, right? It just seems silly. So I think that like an API that I can just call to get token balances, that seems like a pretty good idea. Uh, You could say the same thing about other kind of indexing services, right? Like uh, Satsuma, for example, has like a sort of wrapper around the graph where they make all of that easy for teams that just need to basically call APIs instead of run their own indexers and things like that. Although the graph decentralized network will be cool when when it, when it's live. I guess my, my high level question here is, what do you think teams are going to do? Are, are they going to stick with this ethos of I want to build it all? And sorry for the the noise there. We'll, we'll, we'll black that out. But will teams build the stuff in-house or will they just defer to centralized services? externally? How do you see that playing out?
1: So that's a great question. Um, a lot of scenarios, and they all go back to how people live web free. I would say, there is, a, there is the web free of narratives and decentralization that I think is super important to protect. And in that case, people will do as much as possible in-house. Um, that's the whole purpose. Or in-house or through decentralized networks. Now, what I'm saying is that you can decentralize pretty much everything. There is this third... would say declination of outsourcing, that is decentralization, right? Before we have insourcing, outsourcing, that's it. Now we have insourcing, outsourcing, and decentralized, where decentralized means that is ALF like based on our contribution or based on others people contribution not alpha half, half, but like a percentage is on our contribution and a percentage is on others people contribution so i would say in the future in the decentralized world i would lo- what i would like to say is a more decentralized world where all these things are kept secure and are kept equal and are kept accessible and available and i would say correct by decentralized networks now even the, the real world, though, that is, I want to take a step back, that is the different distinction between Web2 and Web3. I listened to your previous podcast with Noam, that, um, or a previous episode, episode of your podcast with Noam, amazing engineer from our team, and he's saying something that is really smart that he put at the start because it was pretty smart. That is, it doesn't matter if you're into Web2 or Web3, you still have to be a good engineer. And the same thing is true with applications in general. It doesn't matter if it's web two or web three, your application must solve a problem, must be useful, must be performant. That's it. And people will use it. Unless you're making people's money, like you're making money for people. That's that's another story. But in general, you want a great user experience. Um, To do that in general, what you want to do is to use the best tools out there. And to create an amazing tool that really, really works, as you said, it takes you so much time, so much engineering effort, so much, a lot of things, especially if you're a company that is not gigantic, like might be, I don't know, Google, Amazon, or uh, Meta at this point. So what you won't probably do, what you will probably do is use external APIs in in the real world. And these APIs will come from any kind of services. And it's just like how it's happening with like AWS or OpenAI. Like if you want to spin up your own GPT version of things, you won't create your machine learning algorithm. You might want to. There are open source versions of that. And you might want to use that. But probably you will use the OpenAI API, even if it's costly, even if it's, it can be shady, it can be sh- considered shady in some ways. What are they doing with the data, even if it's not your? And the same would apply with decentralized world, probably. The the only thing that we can do that I think is literally the only thing that we can do to keep it decentralized is to create the services, but decentralize them, not doing things in-house. Doing things in-house is messy, costly, dirty. Like to get any kind of data service in Europe, you need tens of thousands of dollars because you need to be GDPR compliant. There's no way a small company wants to go for it. Like they shut off ChatGPT in Italy in two days and OpenAI went on to that and literally changed all their policies. This probably costed them millions of dollars.
0: It's a pain, you're right. I mean, doing a lot of this stuff in-house is, is a pain. You have to be very well capitalized and almost, you have to be ideological about it to really you know, see the value, I think. But in the end though, like you said, Noam is right, uh, you have to solve a problem. Maybe the problem you're solving is you're providing the most decentralized experience and that's fine. But your users will eventually see performance probably uh, decline if you do that in terms of like speed of the application and and how everything is working. I think the the benefit is having a traceable record of the important things that happened on chain, right? So like if I post something on Lens, I, there's a transaction, right? That that's executed that you you can't take back, right? All of the front ends and stuff like that, like the Lens has their API and everything. They have a bunch of stuff they're doing in house to make the experience for like fetching data and working with it easy. That stuff, if you were to completely make, if you were to make everybody just, you know, go check the chain for everything, every time when they wanted to start some new front end application or something like that, it would be untenable, right? It'd be very hard. So I think that's probably the right way to think about it. Um, okay, so we're we're getting closer to coming up on, on time here. We got about five minutes left in our hour. One thing I like to ask people, uh, especially in situations like yourself, where you see a lot of different projects, uh, you, you see you have like kind of a bird's eye view of the space, you know. And is you know what do you hope the industry looks like in ten years? Like how do you hope things evolve? Right? What do you see for the future of the industry?
1: This is the topic of my midnight calls with Patrick Collins, like once a week. It's like, what do we hope the the community will look like in 10 years? Well, great question. We'd also know your answer. We'd like to know your answer as well. But I think first example, 6% of all the DeFi total value locked gets stolen every year. This is just like you going to your bank and your bank director looks you straight into your eyes and says, okay, yeah, you can definitely send me all your money and you can sell all of your money here, but there is a good 6% of the possibilities that all of your money will be gone at the end of the year. So you're like, hmm, maybe, maybe that's a risk that I don't want to have, right? That's, that's a lot of risk. So first and foremost, more secure. Second, a little bit more, that, that's going to be the, the hardest part, more demystified. At the moment, we are seeing a lot of like meme coins getting onto the news. We're seeing a lot of like weird things happening and getting onto the news because they generate a lot of hype, generate a lot of like, yeah, numbers, views, and so on and so forth. People are interested in making money, of course, but there's much more in the industry. So I would like to see a better messaging around like CB-resistant products, around gasless account obstructions, not just like these uber technical jargon, we need to onboard masses, we, we cannot talk like engineers, this doesn't work. Then I would say web-free gaming, in my opinion, but again, super opinionated, biased here I would say because I come from the VFX movie, gaming, and so on in industry, but web-free gaming is going to be a game changer. Like, lens Protocol, one of the best use cases in web three. like social graphs. Wow, everyone is a friend, everyone knows each other, I can port my friends from one platform to the other. Well, for gaming, is just the same. I have my friends. I can put my friends from one... Pl- I wouldn't lie. Like thinking about it, Lens Protocol should sh- start probably developing a gaming SDK. Maybe they're already doing. But um, like I have my friends on all the platforms or I have my items on all the platforms. Super useful. There is an amazing game that I will shout out because they're amazing. It's called Skyweaver. It's a training car game. It's really, really well done. The arts are amazing. Um, you can buy and sell cards with your cryptos. It works seamlessly, really well. It's amazing. Everyone can do it. You, If you're like in India, I didn't have PayPal. You can still do it. That's another thing about Web3. Then, I, and that's another thing that is really, really important to consider is that the biggest players in Web3, the, the companies that will dominate are still not there. And this is because Web3 is still young. So... There's probably something, because otherwise we will have all the answers, that we haven't yet thought about, or we haven't yet the technologies to build, or we're working on, but we have not ready yet to get out, that will be built in the next 10 years. That potentially will solve a lot of problems. One, for sure, going back to the first answer that I gave, civil resistant identity, so important. Not... For us that I'm in Europe or for you, in America, it's important for people in third world countries where they can wake up in the morning and have their data center completely burned out. It happened where 20,000 identities were completely wiped out nighttime and people woke up in the morning and were like, oh my God, I don't have an identity. Can you think about it? Web3 solves this and we have to protect it very well. More regulations. That's another thing. Sorry. Last thing, and I will stop ranting is Decentralization is not a synonymous of anarchy. What do I mean by that is that if I want my mom, grandma, brother, sister to start using Web3, I want to make sure that they don't lose all of their money. At the moment, there is no way. There's no way. There's a way now to recover your wallet if you lose your private key. That's account destruction. But on top of that, the user experience is still super bad. The reason for that is that also we don't have tools to run chain analysis properly, especially for regulators and policymakers. Amazing company, Chain Analysis, super original name. They're working with the European Union to create these tools to enforce low also on the on the chain. Because remember the problem here is not to solve low and eliminate lows, but the problem here is to solve value exchange and global barriers. Completely different topics. Very easy to mistake that.
0: Yep, I think that's a fantastic answer. I think that there's there's a lot we could discuss there. You asked me for my answer. We'll have to save my answer for a different day because it'd be too long to explain it. But I think you're you're broadly right in that there are some there are some shifts that need to happen. And I think that Web three gaming, although I was initially a bit skeptical on it, I think it probably will be a source of major adoption because it's pretty hard to regulate against or pre- prevent games from building games right it's you know this is kind of a fun area where people can be introduced to these concepts get used to it and really sustain continued developer growth for a while until governments get their act together a bit and technology can move forward and make the user experience better so let's see let's see but we appreciate the uh the insight there i guess before we wrap up here officially where do you want people listening to this to find you online? What, what handful of links would you like to send them to?
1: Definitely follow me on Twitter. I, I don't like saying this, but if you want to check out my Twitter, um, go on Twitter, send me a message, tell me what you're building. I would love to learn more about the amazing things that you're trying out, uh, new protocols, things, again, protocols that you're building, and so on and so forth. You can... Find me at BitoStack, B-I-T-T-O-S-T-A-C-K. Alchemy Platform and Alchemy University are our company pages. Alchemy University is more for learning. Uh, Alchemy Platform is more for like announcements, such as our amazing custom GraphQLs or account instruction. The beta is live, you can subscribe. And then our Discord communities. For me personally, also Great Way is on Telegram. And I will leave you the handle so you can link it wherever it is, because I feel like, that if we put it everywhere, it's gonna become like a huge spam. But uh, on top of that, if you find the handle in the description, please shoot me a message. I'm still super curious to know more about what the things that you're
0: building. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Vito. This has been a great conversation. I learned a lot, and I think people listening to this will as well. So thanks again.
1: The pleasure was mine, Sam. And thank you so much for inv- inviting me. That, that was great.